0: Hello, my name is Ashley Balin and welcome to Baby Puppy, the parenting podcast for anyone raising a human or fur baby. Now, before I start getting angry emails from people in the dog community or parenting community about how different raising a dog is from a child, trust me, I know, I know, I'm not saying they're the same at all. But as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant and a mother, there are a startling number of similarities. I've applied strategies from my dog training education and experience to parenting with great success and vice versa. From the early days with an infant or puppy, dealing with teething, crate or crib training, socialization and language acquisition, to nutrition, anxiety, coping mechanisms, independence, confidence building and more, it's impossible to deny a crossover. On each episode of this podcast, we'll explore a different topic and speak with a parenting expert to gain insight, strategies, and advice while comparing them to my experience working with dogs. Join me on this journey to raise confident, empathetic, respectful, happy, and healthy dogs and humans. On today's episode, we're tackling the thing that stresses out every new parent and puppy owner, sleep. Or lack thereof. Certified pediatric and newborn sleep consultant, Rosalie LaHaye-Hara, joined me to discuss sleep anxiety, sleep training, and different sleep challenges we experience as our kids and dogs hit different age and developmental milestones. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Ashley? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really looking forward to this conversation. I have lots and lots of questions. Oh, great. I'm excited. So why don't we just start with a really basic introduction, your name and what you do professionally.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm Rosalila Hera and I am a certified sleep consultant. So I'm certified in both pediatric and newborn sleep. So majorly, sorry, primarily covering the first six years of life. I'm also certified in potty training as an additional certification to what I do it goes really nicely hand in hand with sleep. And I have a science and healthcare background prior to getting certified and becoming a mom of two. So I've got two little girls. I've got Sophia, who's seven, and Nadette, who's four and a half. And Sophia is the entire reason I got into the sleep work in the beginning. So she was a really colicky, non-sleepy baby. And she's the whole reason I got into this. But prior to this, I was in science and healthcare. And so that really drives a lot of what I do in my current work as a sleep
0: consultant. It's so interesting because I've spoken to a, like quite a few people through this podcast that have a certain specialty in the world of parenting and you know child development or healthcare, and it seems like most of the people that specialize or are consultants in specific areas had a different career previously, and then once they became parents, they ended up switching careers.
1: Absolutely. I I feel like a lot of the entrepreneur friends I have have exactly that same story. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's kind of my story too. I started off in film and television and
0: advertising and then I ended up kind of abandoning that career entirely because I was tired of working 18-hour days selling toothpaste. And uh, I had just gotten a puppy and became completely obsessed with the development and training and communication with my dog. And I sold my company and started, went back to school for canine behavior so there you it's, go yeah, it's just it's really interesting that a lot of people whether they work with you know dogs or babies or animals usually it's because of a personal experience they've had
1: yeah absolutely and actually we have that in common i had a very short career in film and television actually a oh, long you? time That's ago so <laughs> yeah yeah, i uh, i went to like, I
0: went to school for film and TV production, and then my first job out of school was on the Jerry Springer Show. Oh wow! And wow. that made me never want to work in television again.
1: I can only imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like what you saw on the show was after the producers had calmed them down for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, and my my first job as a PA was to work in the green room with the guests and it was it was just terrible but anyway oh my I, gosh my journey took me to where I am for a reason so yes. I, I have no complaints
1: oh my goodness what a fascinating start for you that's amazing yeah
0: it was it definitely gave me a lot of stories yeah, I can, I can bet. <laughs> yeah. So just for people listening that, you know, might not be familiar with what a sleep consultant does exactly, can you just kind of walk me through, um, you know, what you do with 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 parents and families and why someone might hire a sleep consultant?
1: Yes, absolutely. So prior to becoming a parent, you know, uh, you might have a lot of preconceptions about how babies sleep. Uh, I know that I did. Absolutely. Right. You either think, okay, you know, I've gone through enough schooling and education and all the rest of it in my life that I'll I'll be able to figure out this baby sleep thing. You know, people talk about being sleep deprived, but how bad can it really be? (laughs) Um, And then, and then you become a parent and you understand exactly what parents are talking about when they talk about being sleep deprived. I mean, you know, um absolutely babies can be really sleepy in the beginning but after those first couple of sleepy weeks and um you know especially if your little one has any feeding challenges or health concerns like reflux is a big one or is just generally unhappy or having a hard time adjusting to the world You know they may have some difficulty settling to sleep and obviously you know we as adults before becoming parents are used to getting the majority of our hours at night um and you've got this newborn who might have their days and nights mixed up because they were in the womb and you know haven't been reliably producing their own melatonin the sleepy hormone yet and you know has everything mixed up and so they're just not sleeping well and so what I do is I help families who are struggling with sleep challenges, not just with newborns, with babies, toddlers, older children as well, uh, school-age children too, to you know, define you know, what is their dream sleep situation for their family and how can I get them there. So basically, where are they at? You know, Point A. Where would they like to be? Point B. And how would they like to get there? And I help them achieve that. It's, it's funny because like, just like you said,
0: you think that you kind of got everything under control before you actually become a parent, which, you know, it's it's hard to know how you're going to respond to something until you're in, in the situation. But yeah, I remember when I was pregnant, I because I've always been a terrible, terrible, terrible sleeper. I had sleep anxiety for years. I had oh. insomnia forever. Yeah. So when everyone kept telling me that, you know, be prepared to not sleep, I was like, Whatever, I got this. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly, like, right? I, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I have been doing this my entire life. I can go on no sleep for days. Like I but yeah. the difference is is the anxiety that's attached to it. Mm, right? Yeah. Because for me personally, I I can stay up all night as long as I know that I have zero responsibilities. Right. But it's like the second that you have to care for another human being and you have to be concerned about the fact that they need to get a specific amount of sleep and they need to be fed and healthy and all these things. And suddenly those times when you're awake at 3 a.m. watching myself, like, you know,
1: my 600 pound life, it's not as exciting. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. That's right. It's a different kind of sleep deprivation. And it's interesting um, that you bring up the sleep anxiety because I have a lot of clients that go through that. And a lot of times what that's about when you're a new parent is I'm waiting for my baby to wake me up or I'm waiting for my yeah. toddler to wake me up. I'm expecting them to. And so I can't actually settle to sleep easily. I can't relax. And so you just have that anxiety and it just it, it can cause other issues like insomnia as well for sure.
0: Well, it's yeah. I mean sleep is one of those things that new parents get the most unsolicited advice about from friends and family and it's also the thing that you're constantly warned about losing the moment you decide to have a child right and it's one of the most obsessed about and discussed topics at parents groups and baby classes and every like everyone just talks about sleep constantly so what do you think it is
1: about sleep specifically that people are so anxious about I think it's just that loss of, well, your sense of self, right? It, it's it's like everything with parenting, right? You're, the loss of your sense of self and your freedom and your your ability to kind of control the things that you were able to control prior to becoming a parent, right? That, that sense of loss of control is a really big one um, for a lot of parents struggling with sleep and the inconsistency, right? So, you know, um, a lot of parents really would love to see that very consistent, okay, my baby is sleeping through the night every single night, they're having naps at about the same time, exactly the same length. A lot of parents would love that kind of control from day to day, but babies aren't aren't programmed like that, right? We kind of have to follow their natural rhythm and really figure but out But we don't even
0: is... have that type of control over our own sleep. So
1: why <laughs> is yeah, I know. It's so true. It's so true. But, you know, as a parent, as a new parent, especially, it can be so disorienting to just be all of a sudden thrown in into the midst of this and you're not getting sleep. You're trying to figure out feeding. You're trying to figure out your daily rhythm. You may or may not have support. And these days, you know, who knows what that looks like. And, um, and, and so you're not sleeping. And so you're trying to control whatever you can control, but yeah, it's, you're right. It's not controllable. These are little babies that are just entering the world and even toddlers, right? I mean, you can't, even though they're older and they've had more practice with sleep, it depends on your, your circumstances, you know, around sleep with your family, but eventually it will get better. I promise you, I'm not trying to scare anybody. (laughs) It will get better. And there are strategies that you can, you know, obviously employ to help it be as the best that it can be. But I think going back to the question, you know, why are we so focused on this as parents? I think it is that transition. And certainly this was my experience with Sophia when she was first born, that experience of going, you know, from being able to sleep eight to nine hours overnight without interruption, um, to being woken every 45 minutes. Uh, that does not feel great. You know, it doesn't feel great no, in the moment and not the next day every aspect of your life, right? I mean, yeah,
0: it completely changes your ability to to function in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I understand why people are anxious about it because loss of sleep ends up translating into, you know, a, a lot of negative effects in your life.
1: Absolutely. I felt like I, I lost, I, I couldn't find the joy in parenting. And then once she was sleeping better, it was like night to day. Um, I just was so much happier as a parent and I continue to be. And I think a large part of the joy in my parenting personally is because my kids sleep so well.
0: Yeah. And being obsessed with sleep is not unique to parents of human babies either. Like every single one of my clients that adopts a puppy or even, you know, gets an adult rescue always asks me numerous questions in our first consultation about where the dog should sleep and what they should sleep in and how to ensure that they sleep through the night and how much they should be sleeping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just like (laughs) with babies, there are some pretty concrete answers to some of those questions based in science, like pertaining to the number of recommended hours or, you know, what to expect during different milestones and development. But there's several approaches and schools of thought for the other questions. So I guess like, let's start with the where and the what, like some parents Mm -hmm. advocate for co-sleeping. Others start with a bassinet in their room and then move to a crib later. Others start with a crib in a separate room from day one. Like, do you Uh, like, uh, like, do you Rosalie have like Mm -hmm. a specific approach that you always recommend? Or is it customized based on the family that you're working with?
1: Yeah, so definitely it's customized based on the family that I'm working with. But I will say that the majority of the clients that come to me for help with sleep, they are absolutely 100% (laughs) looking to transition their little one, if they haven't already been sleeping in their crib into their crib eventually. Um, I also work a lot with newborn families. So little ones who have just arrived or just about to arrive. And obviously, those little ones are going to be starting out in a bassinet and usually inside their parents room. Um, but yeah, the people who, you know, come to me for help with sleep, they really want to set up that. You know that sleep environment from the beginning with the little one sleeping in their safe sleep space and you know learning to to love that space essentially so that's what i help uh, uh, parents with now obviously i have a lot of little ones that come to me who have um well the families have sort of quote-unquote accidental accidentally bed shared <laughs> whereby the the families are kind of like, well, we're sharing a bed, but we really didn't intend to do that. um, And we want to, you know, move away from that. And so that's part of what I help with uh, as well.
0: And yeah. So, those, I guess those questions are a little easier to answer because there's only so many options in terms of where a child right. can sleep, right? So I guess the more yeah. difficult question is is all of the hows. Like, how do I get them to self-settle? How do I get them to sleep through the night? How can I tell the difference between them really needing something versus just making noise as they prepare, <laughs> prepare to fall asleep? And I, I know those are really big questions, and I don't expect you to answer all of them or give away all of your secrets for free yeah. on this on this podcast. <laughs> but like if, if you could offer a single mantra or like a tidbit of advice to new parents that feel lost with getting their babies to sleep comfortably without requiring constant reassurance or falling back asleep, you know, after every forty-five minute cycle, what would like what would yeah. that be? Is
1: there that like one magic piece of advice? There isn't a magic wand or a magic piece of advice, but I can absolutely share some tips. And, you know, if we're talking about newborns, the biggest piece of advice that I can give is that little ones at this age, so in those first couple of months, they are famously loud, noisy, active sleepers. And all of that does not need to be attended to right? So a lot of times, and I know that I I did this as a a new parent as well, we're kind of hearing our little ones going, "Eh, eh, eh." they're grunting, they're moving around a lot, Um, they seem to be awake. And a lot of times, that's just a very light, active stage of sleep that babies are going through. And if we kind of just give them their own space to work things out, I mean, obviously, they're not crying at this point, I'm talking just about making noises and moving around a lot. If we kind of give them that space to get used to being a little bit more independent, Um, Often just that alone, just giving that extra time and space when they're being grunty and noisy and active is enough to help them along that independent journey if you're looking to build a more independent sleeper.
0: Yeah, I remember being a new parent, and I I did the whole, you know, bassinet next to my bed thing, and every single time that my son, like, rolled over or made, like, the littlest bit of a grunt, I thought it was because he was hungry. Right, exactly. That's it, (laughs) exactly. You got it. like, every two hours, I'm taking him out of his bassinet while he's probably fast asleep and trying to, you know, give him food or offer him something, and then once he's, like, eaten and been stimulated, he ends up, like, waking up a little bit, and then (laughs) And then it would take, you know, half an hour to get him back to sleep afterwards. And once I put him in his own space and I couldn't hear those little grunts or see the movement anymore, he just like magically started sleeping through the night.
1: Yep. Yes, that that is totally the experience of so many parents yeah. with little ones. Yeah, absolutely. You move them yeah, out, I'm and you're like, "Oh, the one
0: that kept him up all night." <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and I mean, it's so hard too because if, especially if you're a new parent, I think if you're a second, third, fourth, whatever time parent, you're a little bit more relaxed about it. Oh, okay, I remember this, right? And and he's fine or she's fine. Um, but as a new parent, you're kind of thinking oh, I'm supposed to do something, right? Like I need to do something for them. They're telling me something. But they might just be working through something on their own. And all that time and space has just allowed them to become more confident um, with their independence, which is amazing. You want your kids to do that, right? So,
0: Yeah, exactly. Really my, my approach to dog to training and, well, most things in life actually, is that if it's not a problem for you or your family, it's not a problem. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. But but that being said, I'm kind of going back to the whole, you know, bed sharing versus crate. Well, I'm I'm saying crate, (laughs) (laughs) but like, crate training and crib training is, is the exact same. So I'm a huge advocate of crate training dogs, like especially dogs that live in busy cities, because if introduced at the beginning in a positive way, crates teach dogs how to self settle and they enforce relaxation periods throughout the day to prevent hyper arousal and overtiredness. And they allow the dog a private and safe space if they're feeling dysregulated or uncomfortable in their environment. And they aid in creating a predictable routine and sleep schedule and, you know like like kids dogs thrive on routine so mm-hmm. now i understand obviously that you know children are far more nuanced than dogs <laughs> but i but like a, a crate is essentially the equivalent of a crib and do you like do you believe that cribs offer a lot of those same benefits for babies
1: oh yeah absolutely 100% and the other thing about cribs is that as they get older and they become toddlers And, you know, you're eventually staring down this crib to bed transition, you will be so grateful (laughs) that your toddler that doesn't have a lot of impulse control is contained in their crib, right? That's one way to continue to get really good sleep is to really hang on to the crib as long as you can. Sleep back for my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so, you know, once you do transition to a bed, the other thing that you can think about is that you can, you know, consider their their entire bedroom as their crib and so you can set up you know safety protocols and all of that around the bedroom in that way kind of thinking about that whole room as their crib but really before we get to that step if we can hang onto the crib as long as we can yeah you're absolutely right all of those advantages are there until we have to move them out eventually sadly <laughs> yeah, i know yeah. i wish yeah. i could have put my son in his crib forever yes yeah me too yeah <laughs> yeah um
0: but, you know, as, as you're saying, obviously, there's different challenges as, you know, as your babies turn into toddlers, and they approach different milestones, and their sleep needs change. And I guess yeah. that's when we encounter different nap and bed transitions. What are some of the other common challenges that parents contact you about as their babies turn into toddlers? You know, it's yeah. like an ongoing joke, with all parents that as soon as you found an approach that's successful for one thing, another problem arises. Right. And I'm curious to know, so you've tackled baby sleep and now your kid is transitioning to be, you know, a two, three-year-old they're, you know, going into preschool. What are, you know, is there like a top three or top five sleep challenges for that age category that you encounter?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So now first and foremost, though, I do want to say that if you have been consistent and worked on really great sleep habits, healthy sleep hygiene ahead of time, I mean, this is what I I do with my clients and I, and I tell them that, you know, you're going to be so happy that you did all of this early on, because it really does pay off um, as they become toddlers and preschoolers. And that's certainly been my experience with my kiddos. All the stuff, all the work that we did, right, in their, um, in their baby stages has paid off uh, for years. So that's something to keep in mind first and foremost. But yeah, absolutely. There are challenges that come up. I would say the top three, one would be absolutely related to the crib to bed transition. So Maybe we made that transition a little bit too early. There could have been reasons for that, like babies, you know, Um, climbing out of the crib, for example, we felt we had no other choice. Uh, But now, again, because they're in that developmental phase where they don't have a lot of impulse control, um, they have this newfound sense of freedom, you know, not having those, you know, the crib walls around them. Um, You know, little one is popping out of bed constantly or coming and chasing after their parent or coming into bed overnight. And that's not necessarily something that a parent wants (laughs) or is enjoying much about the toddler stage. So that would be one um, big challenge. Another big challenge is just a, you know, a toddler who was perhaps, you know, falling asleep no problem at bedtime before. Then all of a sudden, you know, maybe they're two, two and a half, three years old, and they just don't want to be left alone. So they've got some stress or anxiety around bedtime, or um, they're calling for a parent when they never did that before. They seem to be afraid of something often this can be related to a lifestyle or household change like a different caregiver or like you said starting preschool or adding a baby that's something that happens a lot at this age group um, so it like i said it may or may not be related to any kind of change like that but you know all of a sudden it seems like all of a sudden this toddler is not able to fall asleep the way the way that they were before and then the last one so the third in terms of the challenges that happen around this age is actually more parent-led than child-led. So oftentimes um, I'll get parents reaching out to me who never did any kind of sleep training with their baby, never really encouraged them to sleep on their own. Maybe they were fine with sharing a bed or fine with helping them to sleep. And then it's just for some reason become unsustainable. So that's really common in this age group as well. And again, it may be because they've added a baby to the family and it just feels not so manageable anymore. So that would be, I think, the top three for me in terms of what I see in this age group.
0: And um, again, I don't want you to give away all of your, your secrets, but <laughs> <laughs> is, is the approach to all of these challenges the same? Or do you typically like customize a response based on the family that you're working with? Or do you have like a specific methodology that you apply to all situations? Or how do you how do you approach that typically?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't have anything that's set in stone for different age groups. I really do work with families based on where they're at, where they want to be and how they want to get there. And I always say there's, you know, between 50 to 100 plus different factors that relate to any single sleep challenge. It's true. Um, not to overwhelm or scare anybody who's listening, but it, you know, there's all these interrelated factors that create the situation that you're currently experiencing, you may be experiencing. And so I take a look at all of those different factors and I listen to you in terms of, you know, what is your lifestyle? What are your parenting philosophies, your style of parenting? You know, what do you do on the weekends? Like that those kind of questions to really make sure that, you know, the approach that we take is actually going to work right? Because if you're, if it doesn't fit with who you are, with your family, uh, with what you do, then it's not going to work. You won't be consistent. And consistency no, is huge, right? Just like it is yes. in your work too. So
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that that's key. probably true in, in a lot of different industries that you can give someone sound advice, except if it becomes really challenging or induces stress to implement it within your lifestyle or within your household, then
1: you're not going to do it. Right. Absolutely. 100%. And I think that parents' mental health and well-being is the most important in all of this because also when you're looking to improve sleep you can't improve it from a place of feeling super anxious and stressed um so we have to work on those areas at the same time so
0: i I do have a question and i maybe it's because i'm sensitive to it because as i mentioned earlier i did have a lot of sleep anxiety for most of my life yeah and i have no idea where that stemmed from or if it was because of something that my parents did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. But how do, you, how do you recommend that parents navigate the difference between their children genuinely having fears and anxiety around sleep versus just being toddlers or preschoolers that are doing their job and testing boundaries?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about this. This is, this is an excellent question. The first way to think about this is that we can actually cause more stress and anxiety when we're being really inconsistent. Um, and I, I, I bet that you would agree with me in this, in your work as well with this. But basically, if you have an inconsistent response to when a little one is actually pushing a boundary or, um, you know, getting upset about something related to the bedtime routine or stalling. So if you're kind of a little bit wishy-washy or maybe you respond in abc type of a way on this night but then in another night you respond in xyz kind of a way i mean it, it can cause more anxiety so the more consistent that you can be with the boundaries that you set um the less anxious your little one is going to be so that's the first thing and then the second thing that i would say is always follow your instincts right so I really want to work with families based on their instincts and building on their parenting instincts, right? So what are you already doing to get this little one to sleep? And how can we build from there rather than having you take this giant leap from where you are to where I might think you need to be, um, you know, let's talk about your instincts, what you're already doing and build from there. And if you do that, you know that you're going to be on the right track. Yeah, I
0: think that I think that's kind of the key that is consistency. Like both for for humans and for dogs and I think for probably <laughs> everything yes. is that if you are set up for, you know, if you if your expectations are firm and if you have boundaries and things are predictable, then anxiety is automatically lessened because you you know what to expect, right? That's it. Um, yeah, I mean I think predictability is everyone's like savior.
1: Yes. I agree. You know, yeah. like,
0: especially in like, think about, you know, what we're living through right now is that if someone had said to us at the beginning of COVID, you know, like there's going to be a global pandemic, it's going to last 16 months and then we're going to go back to normal. Then, all of us would be upset that our lives were being inconvenienced and we'd be scared for the people we knew that were immune compromised, but we'd just be able to count down on our calendar until when it was going to be over. But it's the uncertainty and the unpredictability and not knowing how long this is going to last for, if it's going to mutate and, you know, all of these things that
1: ends up causing this immense anxiety. I totally 100% agree. I'm right I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, absolutely. That uncertainty is really what causes the stress. So, I mean, you know, especially right now if we can create consistency for our children regardless of what age group they're in you know some kind of daily rhythm and routine and certainly if we want good sleep you know a daily rhythm and routine around sleep it can make a huge difference you're absolutely right when little ones know what to expect so when this happens then this happens when this happens then this happens they will feel so much less stress and anxiety and so much more reassured and safe and you know confident especially around sleep absolutely
0: 100% and yeah i mean as you're talking i'm thinking like i don't even think that's obviously with children it's more important but i don't think that it's unique to children if you even no. think about your relationships as an adult with your partner or with you know, friends or, or family or your parents or, or anyone is that it's unpredictability that ends up causing a lot of like, to, you know, toxic
1: relationships. Hmm. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you can apply all of this to so many different yeah areas of life. That's I totally things. agree. Yeah. yeah, be predictable and you're good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stick to, you know, say what you mean and mean what you say kind of thing, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, before you go, there's something I like to do on every episode of this show. And what it is, is I would like to read you an email I received from one of my clients about a problem they're experiencing with their dog. And I'd Mm -hmm. love if you'd answer it as if it were a parent concerned about their kid. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, Ashley. Rosie is finally sleeping through the night in her crate, and it's definitely helped our entire family with our frustration and stress levels. But we've noticed that since she's now getting uninterrupted and restful sleep throughout the night, she's resisting her crate time more during the day. We rely on that time, especially during COVID, to get work done at home. What do you recommend we do to ensure that she's still able to nap during the day? She's six months old now. So let's say that Rosie is one and a half, like a one and a half year old toddler slash Mm -hmm. baby. Mm -hmm. She's sleeping through the night now, no problem. But now she's resisting all of her naps during the day. What Mm -hmm. would you recommend?
1: Yeah. So this is where, and I don't think I've brought this up yet. I am really data driven. So I would be having this client send me data. So what happened over the past one to two weeks? tell me exactly when she woke up, what time you put her down for the nap, if she slept at all, how long she slept for, when she woke up, <laughs> uh, when she fell asleep at bedtime and how long um, her nighttime sleep was. Because what happens is, and if we are talking about an 18 month old, very specifically, um, the sleep pressure can shift at that age. So the drive to sleep can shift you know, quite dramatically sometimes. And it, it's a little bit surprising to parents as they get into the toddler years, um, to kind of see the shifts. So they might need less sleep overall. You know, we might need to wake them up earlier in the morning. We might need to ship, shift the nap time later. Um, we might need to change our routine a little bit uh, leading into the nap. Maybe they need extra wind down time. Or, I mean, not an 18 an month old. I would absolutely, you know, try to get a nap going for an 18 month old again. But, you know, as we get into, Year two, they might actually not need the nap anymore, and so we might be shifting to quiet time instead. So there's lots of things I could dig into with this, and I would start from a place of give me the data. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I, mean, I think that yeah, it's funny listening because my my approach and my my response was actually pretty similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but, you know, but it is a little bit different, like from a dog training perspective you know, just like with kids, as they get older, their sleep requirements lower and their need for physical activity and mental stimulation and socialization increases, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So typically if a dog is sleeping well through the night and they're unable to rest during prescribed times during the day, it's because the dog owners are still relying on a previous schedule for when their dog had different sleep requirements and exercise requirements. Exactly. So, That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I would I would start with like increasing physical exercise and mental stimulation via, you know, training and engagement. And then once those needs are met, you can select specific times every day that, as you said, are quote, unquote, quiet times. And then the dog can either choose whether they're going to sleep or just relax in their crate. But either way, since their needs have been met, it means that your needs can be met also. And you can now do your work without feeling guilty about it because you know that you've done everything you can to ensure a quiet body and quiet mind during those prescribed periods of time.
1: I love it. Yes. Very similar.
0: (laughs) Very similar indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm, I'm going through a little bit of a transition with my son now, but it's more on, I think it's more like my choice and my struggle to figure out what I want to do. So he's, he's just turning three and uh, he goes down for his nap one o'clock every day, no problem. I I have to wake him up after two hours because he'd sleep for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, but I, so I wake him up. I, I've kind of followed like that our home schedule, it just follows his preschool schedule just right. to make it easy. So they sleep from one to three at preschool. So I wake him up at three o'clock every day. But now as he's getting older, that, that two hours is now like eating into two hours in the evening and he's not falling yes. asleep at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, which is fine. Cause then he falls asleep at 10 and I wake him up at eight o'clock in the morning. Like he, mm-hmm. once he's sleeping, it's great. Mm-hmm. But the, the I guess the question that I keep asking myself is like, do I need that two hours in the afternoon? Or do I want that two hours in the evening? Because yes. I have to
1: decide which which two hour period is more important to me. Absolutely. I love that you're asking yourself that question, because that's exactly what I would say back to you. <laughs> yeah (laughs) Yeah. do you want that break in the day or would you prefer to have an earlier bedtime and there's also you know a bit of a trade-off that you could do where you split the difference as well right a shorter nap and an earlier bedtime but maybe not such an earlier bedtime yeah it's it's hard
0: now you know because of the the covid schedule because right now my son's preschool is closed until september Mm -hmm. and um i still need to work all day right so i've i've continued to choose the two hours in the afternoon so that I could have time to work uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. But I, it is definitely challenging to, you know, have him be up until 930, 10 o'clock every day.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I think that as soon as school starts again in September, that nap is
1: going to be
0: gone. <laughs> <laughs> they can
1: entertain him in the afternoon. Yeah. And you're not alone with a little one at this age, by the way. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a yeah. really, really common challenge that parents go through with toddlers for sure. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, um, it, you know, like I, I'm, I'm lucky that he's really easy for the most part. Like, you know, he's happy to go down for his nap in the afternoon and he's, Happy to stay up late, and he never gets cranky, and you know he doesn't. There's no no other aspect of either of our lives that's negatively affected. So Mm -hmm. it it really is just about me choosing when I need that extra time. So I I feel like I'm in a really blessed position. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's all these transitions or the types of things that pre children I would have never thought about, never considered. And if one of my (laughs) friends that had kids talked to me about it, I would have been bored out of my mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the the I rolling into the back of the head I know yeah, <laughs> can you really be
0: thinking about how much your kids sleep like it, it, it's just so boring I know but and yet it seems so all-consuming world. I know <laughs> once you get into that world
1: it just becomes like the most important thing it's so it's funny so sleep is everything it really is I mean if you get good sleep you feel fantastic so why wouldn't we strive for that right
0: <laughs> of course of course yeah yeah anyway thank you so much I really appreciate it uh how can how can everyone find you
1: yeah so my business is baby sleep love and you can find me at babysleeplove.com and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at baby sleep love that's all one word and that's me okay great thank you so much thanks Ashley
0: have a good night you too bye-bye. Bye. bye Thanks for listening. Are you looking to add a dog to your family? For a limited time only, listeners of Baby Puppy will receive 10% off our unique mutt making package. Let us help you find the right breed, energy level and temperament for your household based on your experience, expectations, routine and personality. We always say there's no such thing as the perfect dog, but there is definitely a perfect dog for you. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, child or dog related, email info at meetyourmutt.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at meetyourmutt or visit the website at www.meetyourmutt.com. Remember, this podcast is just a baby or puppy. And as they say, it takes a village. So please rate and review. Happy parenting. Baby Puppy is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Ashley Balin. Production assistance by Koji Nagata and theme song by Pink Distortion Music.